Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would bring to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Um, today we've got the incredible Molly Tuttle, who, I, I mean, I guess you could call a, a bluegrass artist, but I mean, she seems to understand um, the most traditional and the most complex and then the most rocking and fun and, um, you know, pop-oriented music as well. And, um, you know, she's played with everybody from Billy Strings to, you know, the most well-known um, folks like um, Bela Fleck, you know. So Molly is 30 years old, and she's already got... Let me see here. Uh, one, two, three, four full-length albums and an EP. Um, what really turned me on to Molly was, you know, her cover of Rancid's um, Olympia from the um, Outcome the Wolves record. Uh, you know, I, I remember buying that vinyl at Ides in Pittsburgh when, when it came out. So that shows how old I am. But Molly is playing at... Uh, Rocky Grass and Lions on Sunday, uh, July 30th, and um, it was really fun talking with her. Um, she's from the Bay Area, and I, I lived there for most of my 20s, and, uh, and I really identify with that mixture of um, loving a band like Rancid, and then also, you know, identifying with uh, the ocean at the same time, that, that kind of dichotomy. And um, it's cool that she, um, you know, she understands music in a, a trained way, you know, that someone like me will never understand at even 5% of that level, but also um, is open to seemingly everything. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is pretty sensitive as well. You know, I've been saying since the first episode of Mile High Stash that I have a lifelong stutter and, you know, I said that I was never going to edit out the little clicks and, and pauses and ums and things like that. And I have actually edited that out for the most part and sometimes left it in, you know. But some of you may have listened to my conversation with the writer John Hendrickson from The Atlantic about his new book, Life on Delay. Uh, I'm all about his stuttering journey. And then some of you showed up for my um, a, a live interview with Steve Varney from Gregory Allen, Isakov's band. Steve is also um, a stutterer. And um, that was a very a powerful and fun interview um, that I'm actually going to share online soon as well. Um, something happened... Uh, during my conversation with Molly Tuttle that brought me back to, you know, being in the f fourth grade, fifth grade, and called on to read and stuttering and, you know, just ex experiencing um, some sort of a comment or a look or whatever that, like, you know, <laughs> a lot of people, I think, can hear... 1,000 compliments, 1,000 good things, and, and then hear one thing 
that just sticks with you forever, you know. But Molly brought up her alopecia, you know, which is something that she's been a lot more open with and even connected with in the community lately. And it was something that I was just going to talk about her music and and not mention that. But um, I was really inspired that she brought that up, you know, and then I brought up how I've kind of recently been open about my stutter and have actually connected with other stutterers for the first time instead of feeling like um, I'm the only one, you know, which when you suffer from certain things, whether it's alopecia or stuttering, it can often feel like it's only you and and you're in this vacuum and anyway I was really inspired by Molly bringing up her alopecia and um, her publicist who was on the line as often happens because publicists want to keep track of time for the most part um, her publicist Chandler from Saks uh, didn't realize that she was not muted and she kind of said exasperatedly why are they talking about his stutter and it it wasn't like vehemence and it's it just shocked me and hurt and it happened so fast that when i listened back to the interview i had to go over that and say did that really happen and then i felt like i had to also bring it up with Chandler later and, and just say, I was hurt and shocked and, and not, you know, say you statements like you're an asshole and you are a, a person who doesn't care anything like that. I just had to state that I noticed it and, and that it hurt. And she wrote back, uh, she said, um, I am so incredibly sorry. I would never make fun of your speech impediment as my brother has struggled with one his whole life. I didn't realize I was not muted, and a coworker asked how it was going, and that is when I said that. I apologized profusely. I would never make fun of you or anyone else with a speech impediment, and I completely understand how that may have made you feel. I felt awful when I said it because I knew it came off wrong, but I didn't think you heard it, so that is why I did not immediately address it. The interview was lovely, and you did an amazing job. I hope you will accept my sincerest apologies. So I do appreciate that she apologized. It was a lovely interview. Uh, Not to say that I did a great job, but Molly um, is not only talented, but just fun to talk with. And um, I love that she appreciates um, her time studying music formally and um, all that's brought her. And also, you know, appreciate something like Rancid. So um Here's my chat with Molly Tuttle, and um, I'm sure you can hear Molly on the Colorado Sound, which is my favorite radio station and and a great uh, supporter of Mile High Stash. Um, You can listen to the Colorado Sound at 105.5 on your radio dial in this area, you know, from about Fort Collins to Boulder to Denver and back. And you can also just listen at coloradosound.org. I will see you on the other side of my interview with Molly Tuttle, whose new album is called City of Gold. Um, I accidentally called Molly a Grammy-nominated 
artist. She is Grammy-nominated, but she also won a Grammy. <laughs> um, this episode of Mile High Stash featuring Molly Tuttle, um, by the way, is sponsored by the historic Gold Hill Inn, where I will be playing with Rolling Harvest on um, October 13th. So I will see you on the other side of my chat with Molly Tuttle. Located in Heavenly Gold Hill, Colorado, the Gold Hill Inn was built in 1924 and has been owned and operated by the Finn family for the last 60 years. The inn is known for its fabulous three or six course meals and unforgettable concerts by local artists from Gasoline Lollipops to Gregory Allen Isakoff. To get up to where time stands still, take Sunshine Canyon or Four Mile Canyon from Boulder and experience the Gold Hill Inn's wonderful food and music with all the fixings. How's it going? Not bad. How are you, Molly? I'm good. I'm assuming that you're in the middle of a tour or about to leave or somewhere. I'm actually out in Denver right now. I'm, I'm speaking at an alopecia conference this weekend. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That is something that I didn't know about you. And then some of my musician friends around here who are really into bluegrass music and classical music, um, when I said that I was interviewing you, they said that that was one of the really interesting things about you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing like, I've never really done public speaking much. Like, obviously, I've been on stage a lot, but um, I have a 30-minute speech on Sunday, so I'm kind of nervous where I've been preparing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a community that you feel um, engaged with and... and yeah. I try to be engaged with the community as much as possible. It's hard though, because it's kind of like a rare disease, especially like people who lose all of their hair. Um, yeah. I know a couple people in Nashville, but it's really just like a small handful of folks. Um, and everyone's so busy throughout the year, which is nice uh, that they make this weekend where a lot of people fly out from all over the country um, to get together just for like four days um, and just kind of like do fun stuff around town. We have like there's medical professionals talking about like the latest research and um, people from pharmaceutical companies, representatives come and talk about like the latest um, medications that are available. And then, and then on the other yeah. side, there's like support groups and, uh, and then fun activities to do in the evenings, which is nice. Yeah. One of my really good friends is Steve Varney, who is the uh, um, guitar player and banjo player for Gregory Allen Isikoff. And mm -hmm. Steve and I are both stutterers. Oh. And Steve and I, we have it in common, you know, that we've had this disability basically our whole lives that we try to keep secret. It's like the world's worst kept secret, you know? Mm -hmm. You just try, you just try not to talk about it. But yeah. he, he has been, for the first time in his life, actually engaging with the stuttering community. And, and so um, I wonder if you see any parallels in, in just, you know, you're very famous, you're Grammy nominated, you play, you play for thousands and thousands of people, but you know, you struggle too. Everybody yeah. does in some way. Yeah, well, that's great. Your friends um, getting connected with the community. That was like the biggest thing for me was like, I was kind of going along on my own trying to, you know, like 
start coming out about it with my friends and talking to people I knew but mm. it was like really slow like baby steps it was so hard for me to like take off my wig in front of people um, yeah just like telling my college roommates I had to do it like in an email because I didn't mm. want to sleep in my wig and I was scared but I couldn't like tell people to their face like I have alopecia but right. then once I went to this conference and um, met a bunch of other people who had the same thing and they were so much more confident than I was because they had this community and and they saw other like role models who were really pot like just kind of confident and living their lives um, publicly with alopecia and so yeah. I was wow I've been like living in the dark over here like not knowing anyone who has the same thing as me and there's mm -hmm. this whole community of people who are like thriving and openly speaking about it and it was just really cool so it kind of changed my whole perspective Hmm. with stuttering at least i mean i often just feel like i'm the only one who mm -hmm. suffers from this you know so <laughs> yeah that's how i felt too i was like and i was almost scared to like reach out to other people because i thought what i might find was just a group of sad people who <laughs> were hopeless about ever like growing their hair back and who just hated living with this disease and then what i found was the opposite it was like people who found their purpose through having a difference and um it was really cool yeah do you feel very connected with colorado i do yeah i feel like the best like bluegrass fans are out here um i love coming to colorado and playing music and it feels kind of like home to me because i grew up out west in california mm -hmm. and um it's just kind of like you have the beauty of the mountains which i miss about um my home state and everyone really like loves nature out here with that which I resonate with um but then like anytime we play a show people are just so into it and I feel like there's just an audience that really appreciates the music that I play yeah how did Boulder end up in one of your songs there was a line that, that says from Boulder up to Hayes oh yeah yeah I was just kind of looking through sometimes like when I'm writing a song like that I'll do a lot of like research online just kind of like browsing through wikipedia or searching like that song we were catching i were just kind of searching different areas that had like little gold rushes or mining towns mm -hmm. um or silver silver mining and um we saw boulder was one of those yeah how did you get interested in this kind of music i mean you're so talented you could probably play any kind of music. So how did you kind of settle on what your sound would be? Yeah, it was like, well, it was kind of like a process because I grew up playing bluegrass and it's really like been a music that's been in my family for a few generations now. My grandfather played mm -hmm. the banjo and he loved Earl Scruggs and um, Flatten Scruggs and the Stanley Brothers. So my dad grew up going out to bluegrass festivals with his family around Illinois. He grew up on a farm and um and they had a little family band called the Tuttle family <laughs> my sisters played and um and my grandma's still alive and it was cool like before I made my record Crooked Tree I went out and visited the old family farm with her that's no longer in the family um but I just had all these memories of like playing music with my grandpa even my great-grandfather um picked up a guitar in his 60s he lived to be about 104 and we'd have these wow. family jam sessions <laughs> and it was so fun just like a totally different world from where I grew up in Silicon Valley but going out to the farm it was like um just this cool experience that I had um during the summers as a kid and we'd go a lot for Christmas um so yeah that kind of I'd already been writing some 
bluegrass songs that were inspired by those early that early music I grew up with and then visiting my grandma and telling her I was thinking about making a bluegrass album she literally did like a fist bump in the air and I was <laughs> like I have to do this she's 90 now so I think she was really happy that I kind of went back to my roots um and since then it's crazy like we we walked all around the old family farm and saw the house where my dad grew up that we'd always visit we'd always stay there every year and then like a couple months ago um someone burned the house to the ground so it's not even there anymore oh, but no. I'm just glad that I took all these pictures there and really documented it while I was making um Crooked Tree we, I went out twice and one time we went with a photographer and took all these pictures around the house and then another time I just kind of took pictures of my grandma around the old farm but it felt like mm. an important thing to do at the time and now I'm like extra glad I did it <laughs> yeah how important was it for you to have a college edu- education in music as well as this you know just being out in the world touring and and playing because some people seem to be one or the other you know either they have it or they're very trained you know but it seems like it was important for you to have both of those things yeah i think some people like are just born ready to go out on the road and for me i was kind of I felt like I got out of high school and I just, I needed time to just kind of study my craft. I was so excited at the prospect of going to music school because I knew I would meet so many like-minded people. And in a way that was the best part. Like my band now is so many people I met through going to Berkeley. Um, And yeah, it was cool. Like, I don't think I've gotten that experience since then where I just fully like immersed myself in, in studying and playing music. And I only went for two and a half years, which felt like kind of the perfect amount of time. Mm. I didn't fully like get a bachelor's degree, but it still gave me a little window in between high school and like the real world where I could just totally focus. And then I moved to Nashville and started making records. But um, I remember leaving school and thinking like, wow, that was like a really real gem (laughs) that I got that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about your new album, but first everyone gets asked this same a crazy question which is if you if you were stranded in a remote cabin in the mountains in Colorado during a zombie apocalypse <laughs> apocalypse and you only had food water and a crank powered Victrola what five albums would you bring okay yes I think that would have to be well I kind of go back through my life when I think about that and think like what are the most pivotal albums to me Mm -hmm. Um, might not necessarily be like the ones I'm listening to right now but I think just like the my five kind of like I guess albums that kind of changed what I do and changed my life would be like Hazel and Alice Hazel Dickens and Alice Gerard they have a duo album um, that was super inspirational to me as a kid um I'd have to go with Rancid and Out Came the Wolves because I yes can go back to that album and it just takes me back to like a specific time in my life I feel like I would like to go have that feeling during the zombie apocalypse probably um Gillian Welch it's hard to pick one of her albums but the first Mm -hmm. one was Revival and that like blew my mind when I heard um that record for the first time Joni Mitchell Blue I feel like is one I could go back to during a zombie apocalypse over and over again and like hear new things it never gets old um and then for a fifth one john hartford is one of my favorites i might have to go with aero plane 
because that has some of my favorite songs of his on it. You were so so fast with these. It, it's it's like you knew exactly what the what the most important music, <laughs> music <laughs> to you is. You know. <laughs> Located in Heavenly Gold Hill, Colorado, the Gold Hill Inn was built in 1924 and has been owned and operated by the Finn family for the last 60 years. The inn is known for its fabulous three or six course meals and unforgettable concerts by local artists from Gasoline Lollipops to Gregory Allen Isakoff. To get up to where time stands still, take Sunshine Canyon or Four Mile Canyon from Boulder and experience the Gold Hill Inn's wonderful food and music with all the fixings. I'm I'm from Pittsburgh and I grew up on punk rock and then I lived in the Bay Area for a long time and so bluegrass is is really just something that I'm, I've been exposed to sort of lately in Colorado. So when I heard your version of um, that rancid song, I think it was uh, Olympia Washington. Olympia, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was it's it's just like everything. I love about music in one recording. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's really really special to me. And all those covers. I mean, bluegrass is so much about tradition, you know. So um, I'm wondering when you think a classic rock song or a, a punk rock song can become a traditional. <laughs> yeah, you know? I don't know. I mean, there's songs that like kind of have gone over to the bluegrass side, like. Um, trying to think of like really popular examples Fox on the Run I think that's mm. one that like I grew up just thinking of as a bluegrass song but I think it was like a rock song originally um, so I feel like once it maybe gets popular in the bluegrass world people even like forget where it came from and it just becomes like a standard jam session song right <laughs> um, your new album is amazing and I'm I'm just wondering if you feel like when you come out with an album and you, you know, when you make an album, does it feel like you're cramming all of your life experience and, and all of your experience of, of, of writing and recording into something new? Or is it more of a moment in time for you? Yeah, I think I have to I have to go about thinking about it as a moment because if I put like so much pressure on it, like this has to define who I am. Like, and then I start thinking about, Oh my God, it's going to be just like on Spotify forever. And people like right. albums and have them for a long time. And then I start like getting freaked out. Like, well, I wish I could have done that differently or saying that line differently, especially when you put out an album, like you haven't toured the song. So you might not have played them a million times. Right. Brand new. And then you play them for a year on the road and you're like, oh, I want to go back and re-record the album now that I know much better. Um, so it is kind of like just that moment. And so much of what's cool about albums is you have that like spontaneity of you're playing the songs for the first time and figuring out what works. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, 
these songs I all wrote I wrote them all in the past year um after putting out Crooked Tree I was like getting so excited about playing with my new band and I was like oh man I really need to write an album for this band specifically because on Crooked Tree we had all these amazing like heroes of mine playing on the album but when I went to make my touring band they were all in other bands so I kind of put together this band of a bunch of my friends and people who I just thought would make a really interesting sound together and it it worked so well so I've been having a blast out on the road and excited to have our first record together yeah and you're really mixing bluegrass with pop music in my opinion and and I'm wondering if you feel like maybe coming from where you come from are you a part of a legacy that goes all the way back to when the Grateful Dead was like a jug band playing in pizza shops in Palo Alto, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think about them a lot because I'm from Palo Alto and, mm. and my first show ever was in at a pizza store down the road from my house. It wasn't the same one they played in, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's just really cool because when I think about like, how do I have any sort of like, place in this music that people associate with like Kentucky and the South mm-hmm. when I'm from California and where I live in Tennessee people say they don't want Californians because <laughs> <laughs> we're all moving in and right. changing the city a little bit but um so I'm kind of like have imposter syndrome in a way but then I think about like so many great bluegrass records were made out in California you have like Olden in the Way with Jerry Garcia and David Grisman um, and Peter Rowan and so many of the albums that I grew up listening to and that kind of taught me about this music were made out from where I'm from. So it kind of makes sense that there's such a great bluegrass community out there. Um, yeah, so I do think about the Grateful Dead a lot and I've gotten to meet Bob Weir and Bill Kreitzman recently and it's been really cool to kind of talk Bay Area with them. Bill Kreutzman went to the same high school that I did. Palo Alto. Oh wow! And your cover of "Standing on the Moon" is wonderful as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That, song. that might be one of my absolute favorite songs. Mm. So many people associate the Dead uh, with jamming, you know, but the songwriting mm-hmm. is That's what I love about it. Just the songs are so interesting, the way they're crafted and the lyrics. Um, the jamming part is really cool and really unique. I think they just kind of like almost created their own genre, I guess. But um, yeah, the songwriting is really what I kind of get excited about. Yeah. Well, bluegrass is so associated with the mountains, whether it's the Appalachians or the Rockies. You know, how does the ocean play a part in your music? Mm -hmm. I think like the ocean has been something that's always felt inspiring to me like I love that's my happy place is like going to the beach especially like in northern California where it's so feels so like wild still and you can just drive along the coast and find all these like little hidden away beaches where there might not be any other people um and it's kind of like has this mysterious quality to it to me where you can look out and it seems to go on forever um so that's like something that it makes me feel creative and I get excited about like using the ocean as a metaphor in songs and um but yeah I don't I'm trying to think of like a I'm sure there's lots of bluegrass songs that reference the sea there's like kind of sailing songs mm. um, <laughs> but yeah it's not like the most common topic in bluegrass. 
<laughs> kind of the last thing I want to ask you is what is your city of gold? You know, do you have something that you're continually searching for or hoping for that's kind of elusive? Yeah, I guess like I'm just kind of looking for that, that like creative spark. And um, that is kind of my city of gold. It's what like drew me to music. It's just the feeling you get when you when you're playing music and the community that it brings to you. And um, that's what I've been like kind of chasing my whole life. So in a way, that's my music is my city of gold. (laughs) The first song on your first album says there comes a time to say that's good enough, Mm -hmm. but you're still, I mean, um, it's, it sounds like there will never be a time for you that (laughs) it's, it's good enough because you're always searching for this. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you, but I think you kind of answered it. It was just, um, so much of bluegrass and, and, um, alt country. I don't know what you want to call it, but for me, it's sometimes it's too nice. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the fact that you are um, adding all these other um, influences and even rancid, you know, the fact that the rancid is something that resonates with you. I wanted to ask, you know, do you ever just want to put on Master of Puppets and headbang and just, just have, <laughs> you know, something completely different? Yeah, like I listen to stuff that's super different from um, my own music all the time at home. Like lately I've been, we went out with Dirk Bentley a couple weeks ago and mm. I'm super into like mainstream country <laughs> recently which I never listened to that much and then since I've lived in Nashville now eight years it's slowly like infiltrated my brain and right I just like something about like the hooks and the production it's so satisfying to me um yeah so I don't know I'm always trying to like discover a new genre and like figure out what makes it popular and what makes people love it um so yeah that's been my current obsession <laughs> who have you not played with that you'd like to because you know the list of people that you have performed with or recorded with is just it's just massive Mm -hmm. yeah um that's a really good question I mean I think I'd love to do something kind of like totally outside my realm there's this band I I feel like it would be so fun to jam with the band Krungbin oh yeah 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 Yeah, they're fantastic learning (laughs) I was trying to learn electric guitar during the pandemic and like playing along with their songs and kind of like noodling over them and jamming along and I think it would be so fun to do that in real life (laughs) we'll have to put that out in the world that Molly Tuttle (laughs) wants to make a record with Krungbin that'd be fantastic (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for talking with me and um, Rocky Grass is going to be amazing have you played there before yes I have a few times now I did it first with my own band um a long time ago it was like uh must have like just moved to Nashville I think it was maybe 2015 um maybe 2016 and I remember I was so nervous like it was just I barely like started touring under my own name and um Mm. and I I was so like inexperienced I didn't even get our set length right I thought we were playing an hour and so we got off stage and they were like you have 15 minutes left and I was like (laughs) what we haven't practiced any more songs (laughs) so I'm hoping to redeem myself this time and play the full full set length (laughs) Um, but then I did it a few years ago with the uh, first ladies of bluegrass which is a band of all 
the women who have been the first women to um, win the Bluegrass Music Association Award on our respective instruments. So it's oh. Becky Fuller, Allison Brown, Sierra Hall, Missy Rains, and me. Um, yeah. That was a super fun set. We have only played like a handful of shows ever, so it felt like a little special moment there. Yeah. Well, maybe the, maybe this year they'll let you go 15 minutes over. That would that yeah. be, be good. <laughs> yeah. Looking at your discography, I mean, the last thing I have to say is I basically expect an album a year from you forever. That's what it, that's basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to live up to that. Yeah. <laughs> so far I don't have any I haven't written a single song since <laughs> I think my last album so I'm gonna have to really start working on that yeah. <laughs> if I want to the deadline <laughs> thank you so much for talking with me and have a good time Thanks. at the conference oh thank you have a great yeah. weekend I'll give you another hour then gotta run I gotta fly away Thank you so much to the historic Gold Hill Inn for sponsoring this episode of Mile High Stash. And that was Molly Tuttle and me um, talking music and the Bay Area and, uh, you know, Rancid. Um, I actually want to say that I, I love the new Rancid album. It's my favorite album of 2023 so far. Um, thanks to Molly for being on the show and also um thanks to molly for coming to rocky grass once again um sunday july 30th and lions um, at planet bluegrass which is one of the most fabulous um outdoor venues in the world um actually as i sit here recording this i can see long's peak up my office window um it's, it's a very clear day and it reminds me of the view somewhere like Planet Bluegrass. Um, Molly Tuttle is um, on the road, and you can go to mollytuttlemusic.com. She is freaking all over the place. So um, I know I have listeners in strange places like uh, India and and Iceland and Poland and where's another one? Um, New Zealand, you know, but I know that most of my listeners are in the United States. And if you go to mollytuttlemusic.com, you can see that she seemingly is in every state and that she's going to the UK for a long stretch too. Uh, uh, thanks for listening. And, um, thanks, thanks for bearing with me in the, in the intro, um, about a sensitive subject and, um, an apology uh, that I do appreciate. Um, you can check out selections from Molly's Choices um, at the Mile High Stash playlist on Spotify, um, you know, that I add to every week. And then, um, you know, as I usually say, it does help to leave um, reviews of Mile High Stash on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next Monday, as usual. Tomorrow we'll both just be shadows on the wall.
Tomorrow.